0: My pleasure to welcome back 56th District Assembly Member Eduardo Garcia from Sacramento. He is here to talk with us about stuff that is happening throughout the state of California and what is going on in particular right here in the Coachella Valley and the Imperial Valley. And Eduardo, first of all, thank you for coming back. Happy California Agriculture Day.
1: Thank you, John, for having us and uh, thank all of our farmers and uh, their. Uh, partners at the hip, our farm workers, for uh, continuing to do what they do day in and day out to make sure that the, the shelves at the stores are supplied, that our tables have food on them, and ultimately that um, during this entire pandemic, uh, there's been uh, very little to none when it comes to an interruption of the food chain supply, but uh, clearly a lot of work to be done. So thank you to our farmers and and the, the farm workers who uh, who make that happen.
0: Yeah, and this is a, actually, it's a National Agriculture Day. I shouldn't limit it to just California, but of course, we feed a lot of the nation, not to mention uh, all of our residents here in the Golden State, and this year their theme is Celebrating Resilience, and you can find out more about this on the California Department of Food and Agriculture website. If you'd like to go check that out, when we put this up later on our podcast, I will include the link to that address for you. What exactly do people do on egg day?
1: <laughs> well, I think the first thing is we want to acknowledge and celebrate you know, the robust uh, ag economy of California. It's a $50 billion industry uh, that really, as you said, is part of feeding the entire world, not to mention... Um, the United States. And so we are very proud to represent a region that is so strong in agriculture from the eastern Riverside County all the way down to the Mexican border of Imperial County. Uh, It produces a tremendous amount of the uh, food supplies that, again, have uh, gone without very much interruption during this pandemic. Um, what we do is we acknowledge the different sectors of ag communities, those who make up the ag community from our farmers, our small farms, our large farms, to those who really are the uh, bread and butter to the ag economy, and that's its workers as well. You know, myself and several other colleagues from the congressman to the supervisor, many other elected officials in the Eastern Coachella Valley are very proud. The, be of farm worker parents uh, who migrated to this country and uh, spent uh, many years uh, tilling the land and uh, giving us uh, the opportunities uh, and choices to pursue higher education, and today be in the roles that we are in to help make decisions on behalf of whether it be agriculture or our farm workers, or of course, the subject of the day, infrastructure investment for broadband connectivity.
0: For sure. Thank God to all those people who plant and grow and harvest and bring to our tables our nourishment. So very important thing. How many people, by the way, in the agriculture industry in the state?
1: So depending on the time of the year, some of the numbers that have been put out there are in the 600,000 and in some cases a bit higher than that. When working with our local farmers, and I do want to acknowledge uh, many of our local farmers who created the initiative with the public health department uh, and our local community-based organizations uh, to begin the vaccinations of farm workers. Those numbers were in the 20,000 range uh, in Riverside County, and in some places of Imperial County, somewhere in the five to ten thousand, just depending on the seasonality of what's being grown. But uh, did want to acknowledge. That even in this pandemic, aside from the food chain supply having minimal to no interruption, much work has gone into, thanks to our farmers and uh, collaborative partners, to making sure that uh, vaccines get in the arms of these essential workers.
0: Indeed. And we are certainly glad that they have been treated as essential and that some of that lack of equity in who was getting the, the early vaccines, that that got changed or fixed, I should say, and, and that these people were able to, to uh, take advantage of that and, and have those programs uh, in place for the benefit of their health and the health of our food chain in America as you referred to and as i was talking about before we came into this hour one of the things that has been a recurring theme on this program and i have been jumping up and down about personally for so long is the accessibility to high-speed internet and while providers like spectrum and frontier here in the coachella valley While they do a so so job on delivering speed, first of all, we have an issue with a lot of people not having access to it, uh, either because of financial means or because the infrastructure does not reach every place in all communities throughout our local counties. Um, And another being that, you know, people, there are many people who are income limited and unable to afford the cost of computers. And there are so many things that we rely on today with technology uh, to be able to access those services. I I can think just in the course of what we've been dealing with with the pandemic, things like being able to file for government assistance programs like pandemic-related unemployment or other services for people who are shortchanged on being able to keep a roof over their family heads and and food in the mouths and so on and so forth if you don't have a computer or a tablet you're screwed and if you don't have access to a lot of high-speed bandwidth you may also be uh, unable to use many of these services which can really be bogged down if you're not among the digital elite i guess we could say so for years, I, I have been sitting here watching, Eduardo, the uh, Riverside County IT group that did their best to put something together called uh, Rivco Connect. And they reached out to the community of providers of you know companies that provide high-speed bandwidth, and they asked them to present a proposal a few years ago that would get them a Kind of an exclusive contract with the county for its IT services along the way, but where they would agree to put in gigabit service to every home address in Riverside County and to every business address, and that they would guarantee that there was at least gigabit service available for $80 a month to homes and $500 a month to businesses. That fell flat on its face after a couple of years of all the planning because none of the providers could see a way to be able to recover their investment. Like a lot of folks who have been screaming and yelling for high-speed internet, my business for sure uh, requires that. It was very frustrating to think, Why can't we get all of our leaders together, state, county, local, tribal, etc., and get them to work on a plan to have a bond measure where the government would at least lay the infrastructure, and then it could be recovered by spreading the cost across the whole community, the state, etc., and then if it's necessary, having private enterprise come in and operate providing the services, but at least getting it in place. And then I see that about four years ago, you really got involved as a sponsor of a piece of legislation where the idea was to help with high-speed bandwidth in the form of AB 1665.
1: Yeah, that's correct, John. And you've certainly um, depicted the, the kind of historic background on where where we find ourselves today. And this pandemic has clearly amplified the challenges that exist when it comes to broadband connectivity, uh, more so in places uh, that are rural, uh, not as dense as some of the communities uh, throughout the state. Um, And you also have the issue uh, that's been clearly highlighted, and that is the lack of investment coming from the internet service providers to these regions that ultimately leads to where we're at today, meaning many households, many students, Uh, businesses alike, along with those in the healthcare industry, public safety services, the list is long, John, that have poor to minimal connectivity when it comes to Internet services. And we know that today, more than ever, uh, you need to be connected uh, to do things as apply for unemployment, um, uh, set up an appointment for your vaccination shot, uh, and, of course, What we've seen day in and day out, and the image of the children outside of a Taco Bell comes to mind every single time, the need for our students uh, to connect for purposes of distance learning. Right. Um, That's why.
0: And people who've needed to see doctors for all sorts of reasons having to use telehealth services, too.
1: That's correct. Um, You know, there are some areas in the state that have been utilizing telehealth services to get to hard to reach populations. But the fact is, is that capacity issues, speed issues um, have also hindered uh, the ability to adequately and efficiently provide medical attention to certain Californians. Um, And so that's why we've introduced a bond in in partnership with uh, Al Marasucci from Redondo Beach and Miguel Santiago from the East Los Angeles area. It's a $10 billion dollar bond that would address what is close to an $8 billion infrastructure need, according to the Public Utilities Commission, to ensure that public uh, agencies like uh, cities, school districts, county agencies, uh, public health uh, institutions have the ability to develop uh, their network uh, for purposes of connecting their constituency. And that's a very different approach than what we've traditionally depended on, which is the internet service providers to build up this infrastructure.
0: According to a document from your office, the uh, state's broadband action plan was completed in December this last year. It said that affordability remains one of the largest challenges to achieving broadband for all in the state of California. So how do we get beyond... That being said, on a piece of paper and becoming an action item that gets done, and we get people broadband.
1: Well, we've decided to also introduce a piece of legislation that would establish a actual affordability program, and we're calling it the California Connect Fund. Uh, It's Assembly Bill eleven seventy six that would set up criteria for internet service providers, and now those uh, who are within the public sector that could potentially provide internet service to ensure that low and very low income families have access to affordable internet service. Now mindful that we're not just focused on uh, this segment of the population. We want to make sure that everyone has affordable and high speed internet uh, to be able to fulfill uh the basic things like a application for a job or for unemployment benefits as i mentioned earlier or for that matter a vaccination uh, appointment and so we've uh, put this piece of legislation forward to accompany uh, a wide array of other complementary bills with the 10 billion dollar bond that uh, will allow us to get one step closer to ensuring that 98 percent of californians which was the goal of the california advanced services fund is connected to an internet service
0: it seems to me that in the state that is home to silicon valley that it's a joke that we don't always have the greatest service for technology in every inch of the state i know it's it's a hard thing but do you think that you're going to get the cooperation from from that industry they certainly didn't end up stepping up with riverside county in their efforts to do this can the state make that happen and will it just simply need to be underwritten by the voters
1: we we recognize that there are some uh, both political and economic challenges to the issue when it comes to internet service providers but quite frankly the california legislature at least um, our Democratic caucus, uh, working in a bipartisan manner with some of our rural Republican representatives, acknowledged that um, we can no longer wait and we can no longer dance around the issue as it pertains to Internet service providers telling us that the investment and the connection is coming. In fact, uh, we've had a conversation this afternoon with a number of different stakeholders who believe that now is the moment for the state of California to aggressively move these types of pieces of legislation, uh, not just because of what we've seen uh, with this pandemic, but because it's the right thing to do when it comes to the future of California's economy. Everything will evolve around being able to connect to the Internet. And it's not as simple as saying we just want everyone connected. We want everyone connected at high capacity speeds to be able to achieve the objectives that are before them, whether it be a podcast broadcast, or for that matter, someone attending a university on the other side of the country, along with three or four other uh, members of their household connected to the internet uh, without any interruption.
0: I remember when Verizon was here in the Coachella Valley, and they put in their fiber service, and they would be at festivals all over the community trying to get you to sign up and all this. And yet every time I called or friends of mine would call to try and get the Fios service, it turned out that there were just these tiny little pockets around the Coachella Valley that could actually get the service. And when I had an opportunity finally to talk with a technician who came out on a service call one day about why can't I get this service, he explained to me, he said, because what they did is they agreed to service so much of an area throughout Southern California, and they got just the bare minimum in that they had to out in the Coachella Valley. And they were able to consider it based on the fact that it was all of Southern California that they had agreed with the public utilities folks to cover. And so we basically got left out in the cold because it wasn't as economically sound for them to have to put in any more than they wanted to in terms of fiber in the ground here in the desert. That was so frustrating, Eduardo, to hear things like that, because I get it. They're in business to make money and they want to be profitable. But I think that when you have, basically you have a monopoly in a market or near monopoly, that you have to serve everybody and that you're ultimately going to, Make your investment back, but so many of these guys—they only want to do what's going to have the greatest return for them. And from that standpoint, I worry that the public utilities commission is not always in the consumer's pocket. Uh, and I'll tell you something—I'd like you to nominate me to be on that public utilities commission because if you do, I'm going to light a fire under those people's backsides to to get some action here. But in the meantime, while you all in the legislature. Are doing what you are with with these bills that you have, and with the proposed bond measure that will come up in 2022. How can we help make sure that this happens and help people to understand the importance of supporting that kind of a measure when it gets before voters?
1: Well, I'll tell you. You know, right now the uh, bond would be set for November of 2022, so we have ample time to really ramp up a messaging campaign along with a political get-out-the-vote campaign. But I I, I need to just acknowledge that there is an opening at the PEC, John, and that requires a Governor Gavin Newsom appointment uh, or approval. And so, you know, you and many others listening are at uh, liberty of applying and hopefully get some good conscious people that understand
0: the issues. Can you get me a lunch appointment with the Governor? (laughs)
1: governor's been a little busy right now we're going to make sure that uh, he stays uh, constructively busy doing the job of uh, californians making sure that uh, vaccines are getting in everyone's arm and making sure that we get the economic recovery going but we certainly can work on that let me let me just uh, touch back on your on your question and that is that we have uh, about 10 to 11 bills that are out there that complement this bond measure that focus on all of the both systemic and regulatory challenges that exist for us to be able to deliver adequate and efficient internet service to all Californians um, in the housing area, the telehealth, our educational institutions. And you hit the nail on the head, as they say, on the issue of affordability, which is the proposal that we've put forward to making sure that uh, the cost isn't prohibited uh, for this very essential service that's out there. Um, This bond will allow us again to fill, the seven to eight billion dollar cost of infrastructure that is needed for all californians to be connected and i I do want to just acknowledge and commend the work of public um, instructor of education tony thurman former colleague of ours in the assembly who at the onset of the pandemic began to reach out to the internet service providers the tech industry and was able to fundraise close to five billion dollars to ensure that school districts up and down the state had the ability to provide hotspots and laptops and iPads to students. The fact is is that all of that work uh, was done in the interest of making sure that there was minimal to no interruption in the learning settings of our children. But look, there are places in the state that even with a computer and even with a hotspot, the lack of infrastructure that enabled them to have connection to having Uh, the educational uh, dialogue with their teachers day in and day out. And so that clearly tells us that we need to invest in our infrastructure. And I should mention that much of the effort that we're putting forward aligns with this new administration's goals and objectives of building out this infrastructure. And so we're going to be very well positioned to take advantage of both the funds that could come with the infrastructure investment package being proposed by the new administration, along with the millions of dollars that have actually been included in the American Recovery Act that was just approved several weeks ago.
0: And I understand and I applaud all of the school districts and the technology companies that have worked together to get these computers and these tablets into the hands of students so that they are not disconnected and that they have at least some ability to do the distance learning, especially with what we've been through in the pandemic. But the, the students aren't the only ones who need these devices and these services, are you looking at ways to help families who have a financial need for help to get them into at least basic computer hardware so that they can access these services?
1: Definitely, right? That really comes with making sure that the affordability side of all this comes to fruition. Uh, Because if we can make the internet service affordable, we know that the computers, uh, the equipment. Uh, will come with it as well. There are some uh, organizations that are out there already, um, nonprofit organizations that have partnered up with us in our own district where we were able to get our hands on the actual computers and distribute them to family households uh, for purposes of the entire unit being able to have the technology and, of course, the need to connect uh, fundamentally uh, critical. Uh, yeah. So that is important uh to note, because without the technology and of course without the infrastructure, we're still stuck in the same place
0: yeah, if the water pipe goes by the house and you have the right to have a connection into it, but you don't have the pipe from the curb to the to the sink, you know you're it, they may as well not even bother to put it in.
1: Yeah, we, you know, we had that dilemma up and down the state of California as uh, hot spots were being distributed to students. But if you live in Oasis, California, right, in our district, right. uh, you were challenged, uh, to say the least. And, you know, we got a message today from a gentleman named Steve Brooks who said, what's going on in the eastern Coachella Valley as it relates to Internet connectivity? I'm glad to uh, highlight that the county of Riverside, through its first, investments of CARES dollars uh, partnered up with the school district, and they chose to go with satellites, a more efficient and effective way, uh, an expeditious way to provide connectivity to eastern Coachella Valley communities. Uh, And that's just one example of the partnerships that have come out of this pandemic and the urgency to ensure that families and students are connected.
0: That's really good. What happens then once we get past the referendum to fund this thing, the bond measure, and let's presume that the good people of the state of California give it the thumbs up and say, yeah, we're going to do this. Then what's next, and what is reasonable in terms of a time frame for so much infrastructure to be put into place?
1: So a couple things happen. There are two proposals that extend the California Advanced Services Fund that uh, houses close to three hundred fifty four million million uh, for connection to uh, broadband infrastructure. Those programs will be refilled. Those buckets will be refilled to be able to provide that type of investment up and down California. When the bond passes, those monies would be available as soon as 2023. And uh, with the PUC mapping that's already taken place and knowing where this infrastructure is needed, we'll have the ability to put a bunch of people to work and make sure that a lot of people are connected in California.
0: You know, Eduardo, I recall in the midst of what they were doing at Riverside County's Rivco Connect project when they were still trying to get that thing flying – that one of the success stories that they had, there were a couple that really stood out. One was the fact that all the various governmental bodies cooperated with one another in looking at at removing as much of the red tape as they could for uh, permits to get through and all that so that it didn't get bogged down. And that in and of itself, I recall, was going to save like a billion dollars. And that's pretty pretty significant. Then you had Southern California Edison Power Company that had said, you know what, we already have the infrastructure in place in terms of the pipelines for our lines. We are happy to let you piggyback using That so, you're not having to dig up every street. Are things like that in mind for this project to get that in and working with other utility companies around the state to use what's already there going to every house or every business?
1: Absolutely, right. And that's where the mapping out comes into play with the PUC or the local jurisdictions. In fact, I I, I hate to sound like a person who's got all the answers uh, with a bill, but we have a a colleague. Dr. Uh, Wood, uh, who is working on a piece of legislation to ensure uh, that we only dig once and uh, make sure that we're efficient with our investments up and down the state of California when talking about infrastructure specifically to broadband. But you raise a good point. One of the challenges that has existed is the inconsistency of ordinances and uh, processes um, in our local and county jurisdictions that I think, we would agree with the internet service providers there's a lot of inconsistency and timing of how long it takes to pull a permit to actually build this infrastructure yeah. so that is something that we also need to focus on to ensure that we are able to deliver on the investments that we're talking about
0: truly And thank you once again for coming on and spending so much time talking with us about these things that are going to matter in everybody's everyday life. And I appreciate your being so candid with us. I will look forward to our doing it again soon, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, John, and everyone listening. That is our assembly member, Eduardo Garcia. He represents the 56th California Assembly District, and we will continue with more of The John McMullen Show and wrap things up in just a moment. Stay with us. Oh, 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 oh,